Welcome to Teacher Zion Podcast. Hello. Last week we left off uh, talking with Leslie Parker about Jesus and the identity of Jesus, who he really is, and and the notion that Christians have that uh, Mormons have a different Jesus, and whether that's really true or not. Um, we had both agreed that on some level that is true, that uh, maybe we did have a different Jesus, that uh, there are some things that we have been taught that are incorrect about him. In any case, this is uh, part two of that interview. So we'll pick up right where we left off. Enjoy. I mean, sadly, I do. I mean, that's one of the things that definitely made it on our list about, I mean, I've always believed in Christ, but my beliefs about him have certainly changed over yeah. <laughs> over this journey yeah. for sure yeah his his identity has gotten a little clearer i'm sure yeah. i went through the same kind of journey as well um where uh, right about the time that i was called into ministry uh, i was called as a teacher uh, my first calling i was age 25 i think 26 and um and i had made a serious covenant with the lord at that time i didn't even realize I think the nature of the covenant, what I did. Um, but I gave the Lord permission to interfere in my life. Those were the words, actually. Lord, <laughs> I give you permission to interfere in my life, and he has. Um, and I'm always thankful for it. Um, but one of the things he did real early on, because I was about to jump headlong into a lot of tradition in the RLDS mm -hmm. culture about priesthood and our sole authority uh, that no one else had mm -hmm. uh, and you know other churches all being uh, less than um, and not having true authority not true baptisms all that kind of stuff and um, because of how the, cov the covenant that I made I mean my entire life was changed it was completely changed I mean I stopped listening to all the music that I listened to I stopped watching certain shows I mean it was a complete uh, changeover and I was in a Bible bookstore just uh, looking for some sort of music I could listen to because I was really into music a lot and so I was in a Bible bookstore and the, the Lord led me to a book and that led me to a series of books um, and in those books what I did is I the Lord showed me that there were people out there that were serving him doing ministry and they had a greater prophetic ministry by a hundred times greater mm -hmm. than that of the prophet of the RLDS church or any man that I've ever known. Um, and so when the Book of Mormon says there's only two churches and one is the Church of the Lamb of God and the other one is the Church of Satan, if we are saying we're the one only true church, by default, I guess we're saying everyone else is of the devil. And when you find out that isn't the case, well, you got to think that through just a little bit. And of course, the Lord did eventually show me what his church is and what it isn't. It's not an institution. Yeah. So that helped. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that kind of stuff, because just think about this. What, uh, what a judgment we have waiting for us. <laughs> when we stand before yeah. the Lord, if we went through <clears throat> our life judging millions of people. Mm -hmm. And saying they don't have authority, they're not true, they don't, they're not real Christians, they're not real, they're not really Christ's church. And and Jesus says, with the same harshness that you judge, it will be returned to you. And so I just, I, I shudder to think about standing before the Lord last day, having judged millions of people as being spiritually inadequate and lesser than and all that, and then have to suffer whatever judgment that is <laughs> and come yeah, to the and truth of that. And kind of along those same lines, and um, one of the things that I think the Lord kind of opened my eyes to was, I don't know how it is in the RLDS church, but in the LDS church, you know, we we I know, kind of take pride in, oh, we are the ones who are going to gather Israel, and we're the ones who are going to build the new Jerusalem, although we don't really talk about that. I think the RLDS does talk about Zion. We don't, it's, it's yeah, rare to lot. hear that in, a, in one of our meetings, although, you know, someday, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, we're the ones who are going to do this, and we're the ones. And as I started reading those books, I'm like, like, my mind was, like, seriously blown sometimes. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, here's this guy in China that just fasted for, like, a month straight just to have a Bible, and now he's going out, and now 
they're organizing people to go teach the Muslims about Jesus. I'm like, we have no idea that's even happening. And so I, it was just like so amazing to yeah. see the Lord, just like the scriptures say, the Lord is the one who's going to do the work. That's <laughs> he right. might let us help, but he's the one doing it and he's doing it now. And I think that's something we don't realize in the LDS yeah. church. We're like, oh, well, we gather Israel. Let's go do our temple work and we'll send out right. some more missionaries. But <laughs> he's doing it. He's doing it. No. And it's it's like amazing it, and exciting. It, real eye-opener for me when I really read the Book of Mormon and Jesus is saying that this is the work of the Father. Yeah. It's literally called the work of the Father is where he gathers Israel. And in fact, he says, and I will do it. I will do it. Yeah, exactly. So that you will know that I am God. (laughs) And, you know, we're thinking like, oh, we're doing this thing here. And like, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think we could do it if we wanted to. Yeah, exactly. But we like to think we are. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, you just realize how the the great sin of the Nephites, right? Pride, like pride, is yes. is is everywhere, right? I mean, yeah. in all of our lives, but throughout the church, definitely, you know, so many things. We're the only true ones. We're the one doing the work, and God will back us up. But we're really the ones doing it, you know, kind of. But yeah, it's definitely been eye-opening and painful I, mean, I, can, the... I can laugh about it now but it was it's it's seriously a painful journey yeah. like coming to terms with oh my goodness it is really actually are. horrendous <laughs> it is it, it, it is actually painful. a horrendous thing um yeah and just um yeah just that whole the pride of that the the arrogance really mm, um, arrogance, yeah. i'm glad to have gotten free of that um to the degree that I can, yeah, uh, just exactly. acknowledging, <laughs> like, always, who am I? I mean, there, exactly. You know, and and then to imagine, I mean, truly, if if, and I have to say this, if if we're all God has to get <laughs> things done on this earth, I, I truly feel sorry for him. I, I, I would truly feel sorry for him. I'm glad that he has someone in China somewhere doing that. I'm glad, and you know, the thing is also. There's millions of people. There's these reports of Muslims and just and Jews um, having encounters with Christ face yeah. to face, and they're they're having a a come to Jesus moment, and Jesus himself is doing the missionary work, and that certainly that's got to be some failure on my part. I think you know that he has yeah. to go do that because we're not doing a good job. We we go around, we have our intellectual arguments why we're the best church. I'm. You know, I've had, I don't know how many missionaries in my house. <laughs> I love talking to them. And we used to go around, uh, we didn't go to the door quite like that, but if we would get an invite or someone was interested, we would do what was called the Go Ye and Teach series. It was an RLDS special we had. And uh, you get all through these slides, and basically it was all about why we're the true church. So just mm-hmm. a nice intellectual mm-hmm. argument, and uh, like five or six series that you go through. Um, you know, and in the end, you're like, what are you trying to, what are you trying to do? You're trying to bring people to Christ or are you trying to bring them to join up with your, be a member of your church and pay tithes? There, you know? yeah, exactly. So anyway. Yeah. So sure. how, uh, how are you guys doing right now? You, any close friends or people you can that you can fellowship on any level with this or do you just find yourself now mostly outside of the church making friends that way or yeah um we had a really hard time trying to decide what to tell our families if if we should even tell them anything i mean we didn't know that was a really hard space to navigate because I knew because of things we've talked about you know with them in the past that we've always been you know the the ones that are like everybody's going one way and we're kind of (laughs) going the other way and so we knew kind of how I mean we knew that they would be loving and kind like we weren't afraid I mean some people have the experience that their families like won't even talk to them anymore and we knew that wouldn't be our experience but we knew that they wouldn't be open and we knew it would just cause sorrow 
So we, you know, had that discussion yeah. for a long time. Well, do we say something? Like, is it dishonest not to? <laughs> Should we? Went back and forth and back and forth and eventually decided that we, that we should. That was super difficult <laughs> telling my parents. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure it, break, again, sure it breaks their like heart on some God, level. Yeah. But I mean, I have wonderful parents. They're wonderful and they're good. I mean, they don't understand, but they're super grateful that at least we still have a testimony of Christ because I think, I think the norm yeah. coming out from the LDS church is just to throw it throw it all out. I mean, I think most people who leave end up becoming agnostic, at least, if not atheist. And hopefully eventually, maybe someday that changes. But I know for, for a lot of people, that's kind of how it goes. Because yeah. you do, you just feel betrayed. And it's it's so hard to actually get, I think it's impossible to get to the truth in church history. I mean, I was yeah. a history major in college, so I enjoy looking and digging into some of that stuff. But I mean, I dug in far enough to, to figure out that it's really messed up. <laughs> That's about, you yeah. know. It's been messed I'm with like, enough that you're not going to get to the bottom crazy. of everything there. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's almost like it's the Book yeah. of Mormon, you know, these intrigues. and <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Funny how history repeats itself that way. But, but yeah, it was Absolutely. super hard telling our families. But at the same time, it was like, I don't, I know I would not have been able to do that on my own. I know that God was with us, supporting us in that because it was, I mean, my parents are older, and I thought, I'm what? I'm just gonna break their heart. Like, is is there any good that's gonna come from this? But I think God supported yeah. them as well as us, and I'm really grateful now because it just it makes it easier. I feel like we're not trying to hide. You know, I mean, it was a little awkward. <laughs> what I've found talking with people and hearing testimonies is that as tough as that is, and it is tough. Um, it's usually a catalyst for good, even if it's hard, because it's a, it can be a catalyst for good for the, the rest of the family, because it puts them in a situation where now they're confronted with what the church teaches and what the church is going to teach them, right, is, well, I guess we won't get to be get together forever in celestial glory. You'll be in some other place or whatever. Um, and is that really the nature of God? Um, because if the testimony of your life is that you have a strong testimony of Christ and and even more if you were to leave the church and yet still believe in the Book of Mormon and and what do you do with that because that doesn't really fit into the it doesn't really fit into the scenarios that we've put and outlined and our ideas uh, the church teaches and so I think the Lord uses this I really do and that it causes, although as much as it caused some consternation, some pain and all that, but ultimately as time wears on, I think it opens people up to ask questions, at least to the Lord and say, God, you know, what about this? I mean, I know you love my daughter. I know you love my son, you know, whatever family member it is, you know, and I see that they love you. Like, I think it's a good opportunity. I really do. And maybe not everyone will use it in a constructive way, but I do believe that one thing I've learned about the Lord is that he uses all these things as an opportunity. And, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to come away to away with the way you think about things or come to the same conclusions, All, the, but that's not necessarily the most important thing. It's those little steps and those, those little things where we come to the Lord and be really honest and and ask him those hard questions that maybe you wouldn't have asked if you hadn't done this, you know, if you hadn't come clean, I guess, and shared with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, it's That's a what planting it felt like. of a seed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a planting of a seed, and you're not trying to make them believe like you do, and you yeah. know they give you the grace to follow your own path, and I and I think the Lord will work in that. I really do. So I. I hope I hope that uh, there's a good thing that comes out of all that as as years wear on here and and on top of that I I really feel I don't know if you do but I feel very strongly we are we're in the final push we're in the final time we are in these last days and there's going to be some extraordinary things that are going to happen and one of the things the Lord is going to do is He's going to show forth His arm and that means He shows forth His strength. And he's going to reveal himself in a greater way. And I think just like the first time he came, uh, he had to confront dead religion. Had to. 
and you and just by presenting the truth dead religion is confronted mm-hmm. just by healing the sick or doing doing and saying these things and causing the powers of heaven to shake you know and the the, the and the, the governments of earth to shake and, and have the lord doing the things he's doing and knowing that he will empower his people the book of mormon says that those who seek to bring forth zion in that last day that the powers of heaven will fall upon them and so we know jesus said that even greater things than i have done you will do i I don't know about you but i've never seen that yet but we know it's coming because he said it so imagine a people doing even greater and so what does that do for all of those people in whatever church they're in surely that will be a tremendous opportunity you know, and I just I am excited about that. I'm excited about what he's going to do. It's not about proving people wrong. It's not about shame on you or whatever. It's about freeing people. It's about liberating people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've long said, I, you know, that Jesus said about his church, he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. And the gates are not an offensive weapon. They're defensive so if the gates of hell cannot prevail against us what's happening is we are storming the literal gates of hell mm-hmm. and you know i asked the question one time lord why are we storming the gates of hell and immediately the answer came because the captives are behind there oh, and so cool. we are to set like free that. the captives it's it's all those people who are just held captive to the lies of the devil so yeah exciting times yeah. ahead of us but that's definitely what it feels like like it is it's liberating looking back you do you realize how captive you were to yeah i mean tradition i mean i just feel like you know in the old testament it talks about having this heart of stone lord make my heart of stone a heart of flesh yeah. i feel like that's what he's doing he's chipping away all these traditions that are you know <laughs> surrounding your heart and i don't i don't think i'm there yet um it's like I feel like there's this onion, you know, with infinite number of layers. I keep peeling it back, and there's just more and more layers. I keep thinking, oh, I've got to be getting yeah. to the center close, but then there's there's still more. But it's it's That's why a, we have a lifetime. A beautiful thing, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, he's still yeah. working on me. I'm a long ways from where I need to be, but I'm glad of the journey I've taken so far because I know it's in the right direction, and so I just have faith in him. He's going to bring me to it. I know he's doing that for you and your husband. So yeah, when the, the Book of Mormon, like we mentioned, you know, it says so many times, like I've, that's really stood out to me that I will do my work. I will do it. Yeah. And I just have to remind myself, not only is that on the large scale, that's also a personal scale. Like he will do his work mm-hmm. in my life. And I think that's something that's been really hard too, coming out of the LDS church, because you, you do, you've, you've learned to place your trust in man for so long. Yeah follow the prophet, follow the, the apostles, listen to what they say, and you're going to be just fine. That it is, at least for me, I mean, I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, that's been something that's that's really hard, is allowing myself to really put myself in his hands and say, okay, I trust that you have me, and that yeah. I might not know where to go next, or it might seem totally crazy to leave the church, because what are we going to do then? But I am trusting mm-hmm. that as long as I'm trying to keep my heart open and letting you work in my life that you are, and then you're gonna you're gonna take me where you need me to be. And oh. so that's definitely something I'm working on, but it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, well, 100%, I know that uh, your family's gonna come gather to Missouri, right? I mean- <laughs> <laughs> sure, I mean, like I said, uh, this isn't necessarily the, the place we wanna be right now. There's some scary things happening here in Utah, and we're like, what are we doing here? But we keep praying about that one. We're like, we'll stay here if you want us to, but we'd we'd really like to be somewhere else. <laughs> well, we know well, we know we'll he's going to gather time, his. What time, yeah, he know, we know he's going to gather his family. <laughs> we know he's going to gather his family and and all the tribes of Israel. So it's going to be exciting. Um, but yeah, there's a timing to everything. So, <laughs> yeah. but God's timing, my timing, they don't always line up just right. I, I'm always <laughs> I'm always kind of a little more. Let's go, God. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 but, yeah. but he's got a wisdom that I don't. So, <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, is there anything else? I mean, I know we're coming like an hour and a half at this point. Um, is there something you, anything, and uh, maybe there's a couple of things that you really would like to share 
because it's been a while. I mean, I've been kind of, I've been thinking it'll be great for you to share your story. This is an opportunity um, for people that are out there, maybe kind of dealing with what you've been dealing with recently. That's what I'm really thinking about. Uh, maybe they're still in the church and it's not about trying to uh, uh, convince someone to leave the church or stay in the church or whatever, but for people that are struggling with some of the same things you've been struggling, uh, you know, is there any testimony, witness, uh, scriptures, anything that you want to share in your journey that might be a strength and a help to others? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think, I mean, for one, I think just have grace, grace and patience with yourself mm-hmm. because it is, I mean, it's a process. Like you go, you go through the whole morning process. Like it's been a painful couple of, probably more than a couple now <laughs> years right yeah and we're finally feeling like a little more settled and comfortable with where we're at but it's taken a long time to get there um trust that god is working in your life even though it yeah. might not seem like it oh the other thing i was just gonna say is that i think um it's really scary to feel like you're on your own and I don't mean that we're ever on our own I mean God is with us but we're so used especially I mean I'd, I've never lived outside of Utah except for a while I've served my mission so I don't know how it is but like you said the church is such a part of culture such a part of your life here that thinking about being on your own without that network that has been there your whole life like that's really yeah. can be terrifying and you and the question is well if I leave the church, where am I going to go? Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and like, I, for us right now, there, there, we haven't really found some place to go. So, yeah. we just worship as as a family, and that's been really nice. Sometimes we we do we miss we miss being there worshiping with other people. I, yeah. in particular, I really miss singing the hymns on Sunday. Like, I love that, and I like I miss that so much. But. um you know, growing up in the church, you know, there's often talks in general conference about how important, like, why do we need the church? You have to have a church. You can't make it on your own. And while it's true, we can't make it on our own. We have to, we have to have God. And of course there's value in fellowshipping with others. Like that's such a beautiful thing. But I think we also need to recognize that there are times in our lives when it's okay to be on our own. And I think God uses that time. Like, like you mentioned Moses earlier, after he left Egypt, he it was 40 years that he was a shepherd, right? Before he was ready to go do the work that he needed to do. And I think God uses that, at least for us. I mean, I'm, I, we talked about this a little bit too, growing up in the church, right? It's put your shoulder to the wheel and you always have a calling. Yeah. And you're always busy and you always have all this stuff. So when you step <laughs> away from that, you're like, okay, now what do I do? Like, what do I actually do? Because I don't have a calling. I don't have, mm-hmm. you know, I can't just pay my tithing and think I'm helping the poor anymore. I, you know, yeah. like, what do I do? And it's, it's kind of daunting a little bit to try to, to try to figure that out. But I think what the Lord is trying to teach me right now is that sometimes we don't need to be doing something. We just need to be amen, trusting, trusting that God is there and that he's using this time to help us keep, I feel like he's just still just using this time for us to help peel away those layers because we keep finding them still, and it's it's okay. Like it's re- it's so hard for me to feel like I'm not doing. <laughs> it's really hard. It's, it's something I struggle with, but I'm learning that the Lord I think is trying to tell me that that's okay. This is where you're supposed to be right now, and I am working. Yeah. And maybe someday I'll have something that I need you to do. But for now, we're still peeling away. We're still tripping yeah. away at those traditions. We're still getting the Egypt out of you, right? And and it's hard yeah. because you miss you miss being with people. You miss all of that. Well, in but Egypt, I think it's in okay. Egypt, you were taught to you were taught to keep busy in Egypt. I yeah. Mean, so they were slaves exactly. in Egypt, right? They had to work yeah. hard you had in Egypt. Master even there, right? Absolutely. So yeah. you know that's one thing I find very particular. Um, a very strong. Uh, influence in the LDS church is this a lot of busyness so busy, busy yeah. I almost wonder I mean I don't I just feel like the adversary is behind all of this 
where yeah. he keeps the saints so busy, you don't have time to ask questions. You don't have time mm-hmm. to stop and think for yourself. You don't have time alone with the Lord. You're just busy working and doing the things the church says you ought to be doing. And yeah. um, where is that alone wilderness time? You know, Jesus went out for 40 days. You know, Moses was out for 40 years. Um, and most of the patriarchs, many of the stories in the scriptures, Alma in the wilderness, I mean, there's just, you have to have those wilderness experience. And, you know, there's something when you're raised that way, there's a probably a sense of guilt, maybe. Like you should be, I should be probably doing something here. And, and, but all the while the Lord's calling you out and saying, please just put down the, put down your shovel and your (laughs) rake and whatever your, whatever utensils you got there and just come away with me and spend some time. And it may be some years. Um, you know, I just recently mentioned uh, a section of the Doctrine and Covenants that says that we are to be anxiously engaged in many good works and all that. I don't know if you heard that one. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm uh, actually the one that, that emailed you about that. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's right. You were. Me, yeah. You were the one that emailed me. I well, you started one. something. You yeah. started something. So <laughs> I got me thinking about it, and I thought, you know, I'm going to yeah. say something about this. And so I did. And you know what happened? I started a chain reaction is what happened. So there's a lot of people having experiences with this. And I don't know if you've seen Lauren and Katie. They were on a couple of podcasts with me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, one of them was listening to that podcast. And when I got to that scripture, they, she was attacked by the adversary. Oh, and wow. she had to call for someone and to pray with her to overcome that the adversary what she found out as she was discerning this was the adversary was enraged that she would hear this and learn this truth about not being anxiously engaged you know the lord said be anxious for nothing in numerous places and i do feel like that the adversary has many saints anxiously running around trying to be busy working to be good enough for the lord be good enough to work Mm -hmm. working for the church trying to earn that extra goal that medal that whatever reward we're looking we're working for so hard and uh i think the lord is just wanting us to come away with him yeah and i mean you think about the children of israel wandering around in the wilderness what did they i mean they didn't have much to do i mean they (laughs) they they had their food provided for them so that was a lot of they had a lot of free time i'm guessing (laughs) it said their clothes the clothes and their their shoes didn't didn't wear wear out out. for the whole 40 years so so they'd have to do obviously like from our perspective gosh what did they do uh, for you know but obviously the lord was using that to prepare them to enter the promised Mm -hmm. land and i feel like it's really hard for me to just be okay with Mm-hmm. where I am and it's really hard to let go of that yeah you know, you know what they did do there's one thing they did do they learned how to watch for when God got up and left and then they would pack their yeah. camp and follow and when he stopped they learned to stop and then stop. they put camp down and they did that for 40 years and, and think about the lesson of I think that that's profound though because it is that's what we yeah. need to learn to do and it's a hard lesson coming out of yeah like i said coming out of the lds church you have you've been so trained just to kind of do what you're told i mean that's a not very nice way to say it but that's kind of how it is Mm -hmm. that learning to be guided by him is a is a transition for sure yeah we're going to go from we're going to go from the idea that we are agents and ourselves can do many good things apart from god apparently and should be anxiously engaged working at that and we're going to go from that to now be quiet and settle down and just be quiet and wait upon the Lord, learn how to follow him. And then we're probably going to finally get the truth of what Jesus said. And he says, if I abide in you and you abide in me, you know, then we'll do some good things together. But until that happens, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a complete contradiction to that scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants, 100%. And so we wonder why there isn't more power in the church. I think this is the reason why. I don't know about you, but I think yeah. this is it. Because if we're abiding in Christ and he's in us and he says, hey, I want you to go do this, there'll be power yeah. in it. Whereas mm-hmm. if we're doing it on our own, guess what? <laughs> I've done that. Yeah. It doesn't work out very well. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, just one last thought I had was yeah. um, to tell people it's just not to be afraid of simplicity either. We yeah. come out of this tradition like when you start to realize why do we believe that where did that come from is that in the book of mormon oh no it's not so why do we you know 
so many things that have been added on and, and you know I think of the story of the brass serpent right again that's one of those stories that's so easy for us to mock those people like oh my gosh like they could have just looked at it how hard is that they're so dumb why didn't they just look yeah but I look at us I'm like oh my gosh we are so them because Christ tells us he says this is my gospel repent and come unto me and be saved Right? Yeah. These are the two great commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. And yet we we don't think that's yeah. enough. We can't we can't just look at that brass serpent and say that's enough. God's gonna save can't us. Can't be that simple. Can't be there that simple. There has to be more and so we go looking for <laughs> mysteries and I think I don't know, yeah, our experience has been with people I mean we we came across a lot of people leaving the church about the same time we did, but and we we learned so much and there was a lot of good things that we owe to those people because we were going to meetings once in a while with them and different things, but we recognized that a lot of them were starting to go off into different mysteries. They weren't the ones that maybe they'd left, but they were different ones and just didn't feel right, didn't sit right, and Mm -hmm. I just kept having the feeling, wait, but the scriptures just say, love God and love your neighbor, and that's enough for me. That's going to take my whole life to figure out how to do that. So whether or not, I mean, who knows, maybe some of those things they're talking about are true. But for me, I'm like, that's not where I am, even if it was true. And I I think a lot of those things aren't true. I think they're, they're, but I think, don't be afraid of simplicity. Like, don't be afraid to let all those things go and don't feel like you have to replace them with something else, I guess I would say. That is the absolute truth. And that is, that is one of the primary messages throughout the Book of Mormon. And uh, that this is a concern of mine for a lot of people out there, not just LDS, but and I know this is one of the reasons I am almost certain of it that the Spirit really prompted me to start this whole podcast, um, both to encourage people that are going through all of this, and but also because Satan has snares in many places. So you you think you're escaping one snare you're coming out of the church and then he's got others set up and mm-hmm. and uh, you were mentioning about you know other mysteries and all that and and here's the thing what we have to admit to ourselves in which I don't think we understand ourselves very well we're we're kind of blind satan understands us perfectly well he knows how to take advantage of every little thing and we are sometimes just sort of blindly not comprehending why we do things at times but let's face it, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, but it's an addiction. The mysteries, oh, the idea absolutely. of mysteries and these deeper things, it's, it, it becomes an addiction. And that's part of, For I sure. think, all this temple mystery, this mystique of the temple and, and all these higher ideas and, and the exaltation of man and what happens in the next life and all that is, is it's not good enough to simply come to the truth of Christ and let that change you so profoundly that you're walking in the same kind of power as, let's say, Peter or the Apostle Paul. We, we don't want to go that far with the truth. We, we just like go, okay, I kind of got that intellectually. Now let's move on to something yeah, yeah. more interesting intellectually. <laughs> let's talk about yeah. things that are of no consequence to us right now, yeah, that we can't exactly. even control, that aren't even here now. Exactly. And it is like an addiction. It's like a drug addiction. So if you've been yeah. s- smoking crack in the LDS <laughs> church, when you come out, you're still addicted. You're you're probably, yeah. it's going to be well, very and, easy without the Lord's help to I, fall into another trap like exactly, that. Exactly, you're, you're so, because you're so susceptible to that coming out of the church where you yeah. were, you are the, the true ones and you miss that oh, that distinction, right? So you need something else. Like, I think that kind of leaves a void. Like, you want to be distinguished somehow. It's yeah. like the natural man, right? We want to... Uh, pride. I mean, it all comes down yeah. to pride. It all, yeah. <laughs> always circles back, but it and, is. I definitely and, agree. And this agree is that, this is sure. not just an LDS thing, by the way. This is this is our well, yeah, LDS I think that's probably human, well. human nature, right? Oh, it, <laughs> human man, nature. It's, it was hard for us to give up this one true church, and most people are still clinging to it right now. I mean, they're trying to create their own versions of the church. They're trying to exclude others. They're, it, it's sad, because that is an addiction, too. I mean, it is, if you've been, mm-hmm. you grew up your whole life, you're the one true church. It's hard to give that up. I mean, the pride of yeah. that is hard to give up. But, man, it, it sure feels like you've been washed in the waters of baptism <laughs> when you give it up sure. and you come into that humility and just washed in the humility of recognizing they were just we're just a, a small segment of one small bit of a tribe and god has such a big 
plan. He has so many people in different places, even in our church, don't even speak mm-hmm. our language, and yeah, all around the sure. world. And he's going to bring this all together. Mm-hmm. And if we're humble enough and aren't so arrogant, we might get to be a part of it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah exactly. That's, that's the thing exactly. we got to focus on. Um, and that, yeah, that's enough to keep me busy. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't need those other things. Yeah. Um, and then I guess just one last thing that I would maybe share. Um, I mentioned about how, like, just recently we were talking about like, God, that's amazing to look back and think how drastically we think about God, like how 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 different our perspective is on so many things. Like, so many things have done a one eighty. We've gotten rid of some things, we've added, you know, some things, but I think the one that I'm still working on, but the one that has been maybe the, the most sweet to me is is gaining a better understanding of who God is. And like I said, thanks to your podcast in, in part, because that's something I was pondering on and you did the one about Christ and it was like so exciting, new thoughts and ideas. But I mean, I think that's one of the things that's really sad to me in the LDS church is that Again, in pride, it's a pride thing, right? We're taught that God was just like we were, and that we're going to be like Him someday. And I think it takes God from up here and, you know, yeah. puts Him down here. And, and the thing that I think i am He's trying to teach me is that the notion I had of God growing up isn't right. And although I'm still like, <laughs> I'm still working through that, I don't know yeah. exactly when I'll get that completely sorted out. But the thing that, has been impressed upon me is that God is so much greater than what I was taught growing up, and that's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. In fact, um, in one of the books I read, I mentioned it was called Bruchko by Bruce Olson, and it's about this teenage kid that just gets on a plane, South America, doesn't have anyone there to meet him, he doesn't speak Spanish, <laughs> but he feels like God's calling him there, and so he goes, yeah. and it's an amazing story. But as he eventually gets to you know this Indian tribe, and he's their culture is completely different. The way they, they don't, I don't even, I don't, I don't even know if they have a written language. I think it's mostly oral. So everything's passed down through stories and he's trying to figure out how he can even teach them about Jesus. But he finds that they have this, this legend that, um, I guess, you know, it's in the jungle and there's, you know, these ants that have these massive ant hills that look really similar to the kinds of houses that these Indians live in. And so the, the legend was that there was a man that was walking along one day and saw these ants that were struggling to build a house and he wanted to help them. So he tried to help them, but he was so big and so scary. The ants were afraid. And so they, you know, they attacked him, they bit him and yeah. the man couldn't, the man couldn't help him. They wouldn't let him help him. And so the man, this is the part, it's been a while since I've read it. So I can't remember how it happens, but somehow the man is able to be changed into an ant. Okay. And so wow. he becomes an ant and he goes and he teaches them how to build houses and he's able to help them. And that's how he explained who God was in it. That, that is profound. <laughs> it was profound. And for, especially for me, because yeah. growing up in the LDS streets, like you said, we really do believe in a different Jesus. We don't believe yeah. that he was God that came down in the flesh. And that's amazing. And so that story touched me so much. I'm like, that. That helps me understand. I, I know I can't completely understand, but that kind of helps mm-hmm. me understand that, that we are these ants and God is that person. Yeah. Like he's so much more amazing than we yeah. know. And to say that he's like us and that we're going to be like him is just not, does not feel yeah. right anymore. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anyway. I, I really think if there is one topic that is probably the most important, it is the nature and the 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 character of God and who he is. And uh, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's really pointing that out to me. And by, <clears throat> even though the perspective of the members of the RLDS are definitely significantly different than uh, LDS teachings about God, um, the RLDS perspective also is not correct and is sometimes wrong quite a bit. It's the Book of Mormon that really is the most profound testimony of who he is of any of our scriptures the bible you know it amazes me it is there it's a little more hidden but even most christians nowadays have the they have a book of mormon perspective of who jesus is mm-hmm. and i and i think that's remarkable with what little they have and not having the book of mormon the book of mormon makes it so clear it just pounds it out there and yet again it was one of those things that if you had these on <laughs> 
exactly. You I never remember, saw it. It's you know. I remember reading like every time I'd go, you know, I'd start the Book of Mormon over again, and I'd get to the yeah. part with Abinadi teaching yeah. King Noah about Christ being the Father and the mm-hmm. Son, and I'd always stop there and be like, "Okay, maybe this time I'm going to figure this out." <laughs> yeah, I never could, but now I'm like, "Okay, it just says it right there." <laughs> I was trying to make it all complicated. It's just. Yeah. Just written there, but I also think too, especially from the coming from the LDS background, <clears throat> we do need to change our idea of who Christ is because it, yeah. and who God is because it's been so damaged by all these false doctrines that have been added. Polygamy, for instance, yeah. I mean, when you when you believe, I mean, most I don't know. I think most people have some problem with that on some level. They recognize because it's like easy it. to spot that it's wrong when it's other people doing it, right? Yeah. But when you grow, I mean, on some level though, you have to you have to reconcile that. Like, okay, I don't really like that, but at least we're not doing it now, and I'll understand it someday. But even that, you have to in your mind think, okay, that means that God doesn't love his daughters as much as his sons. Yeah. So what does that mean about God? Same with the blacks and the priesthood. I mean, we have all these things that we've had to reconcile somehow, but the sad thing is not just that we believe those things, but it influences how we perceive God, Mm. I think. And we don't, we're not even aware of that. I don't think it's, you know, the subconscious like, okay, well, if I believe that, then what does that say about God? And it, that's not who God is. Absolutely. And so I, I'm just so, so grateful to have been able to see the truth of those things mm-hmm. because our God is good and he's great. Yeah. And he's a, he's You've amazing. been set free. And just, yeah, it's, yeah, for me, that that's one of the best parts of this whole journey. It's not, it's not all these little details about so much what is wrong that I once believed, but yeah. it's about what I've discovered that is right, that is so profound and especially about the nature of God. And it just, you know, it, it's, it just changes our whole relationship with him because, you know, for forever, I was afraid of him. Really. I I was kind of afraid of him. Um, And I always imagined a scale, you know, uh, balancing my good and bad things. And I'm like, I I I got to make sure. Yeah. If I can just get the good (laughs) a little above the bad, then maybe I'll be okay. okay. And it's just an affront to the cross. And, you know, and I would hear things like that from people like that's an affront to the cross. And I'm just like, well, you just don't know what you're talking about. Uh, But you know what? They did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's sorry, but that's an interesting thing too. I mean, one of the things that I noticed, and I don't know if I am unique in this or if this is, true of most people in the church but just that whole idea of the cross like growing up that was like oh a cross like that's not a good symbol like that's with all those other christians that don't know the truth use and i don't it's like weird like i'm still trying to get over that in fact i just bought myself a cross necklace that i can wear once in a while because like why do i feel that way yeah like it's really weird i don't know how i picked that up if that's unique to me or if that's true of all alias people but and even just calling myself yeah. a Christian is really hard for me because we always distinguished ourselves from all the other cr- yeah. Christians, right? Yeah. So those are, you know, some things that I'm still working on. Like it's oh, weird how the cross how ingrained how to, ingrained that is. The cross does seem to be absent in LDS culture a lot, and I don't think that's yeah, by accident. Sure. <clears throat> and uh, and also, I think to some degree, even my own life and and in other churches. Um, even though it, it maybe is less that way, but uh, it's still almost as if it was, we relegated that to those Baptist people or those, you know, evangelicals or whatever, and that uh, they're overemphasizing it. But, you know, I'm beginning to learn, and I still I still have a long ways to learn on this, but I, the Lord is, I really feel like he's been showing me, he's like, you need to, you need to go back and, and examine the cross and the power what took place there we do yeah. we do not understand it yet and it is the power to actually change our lives yeah, um, i for and sure so feel like that i'm i'm, I'm not just, there but we're just scratching the surface yeah and you know and this is to me another sign that the adversary got in really early in the restoration he knew that this would be mm-hmm. this would be destroy his kingdom if the restoration had continued on once they got the book of mormon in the direction it was supposed to go and it would have destroyed his kingdom and the kingdom of God would have been set up on this earth. Um, and he managed to foil that. 
But uh, the great thing is God foresaw all these things and he actually had a purpose in it. And that is a really interesting thing. When he took me to Isaiah 11:11, after one year of seeing 11:11 everywhere, and I'm like, what is going on, God? Because <laughs> I'm not one of these numer- numerology yeah, people. I yeah. hate, I don't even like it. I, I just stay away from it. People are like, oh, I keep seeing this number. I'm like, whatever. I don't want to hear about it. But <laughs> it's like, what is happening? Because I just could not get away from it. And the Lord said, look in Isaiah. And so I'm like, okay, Isaiah 11, 11, I will set my hand a second time to recover my people. And so I believe that. I believe there was a purpose in everything that took place. So as bad as it was, as, bad, as far off as the church got, there's some purpose in all of it. God will use it for good. It's the story from the very beginning, all the way back to Genesis and Joseph, when mm-hmm. when Joseph was sold as a slave and his father thought he was dead, you know, at the very beginning of that whole story. I mean, he's the salvation of Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, God uses him mm-hmm. as instrument. He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so... I just I, I I am so excited that we we have a God that is so big, and He comprehends all things, and He's in the midst of eternity, and He's using everything to our benefit, to our welfare, even if even the bad things, even the sad things that we have to go through, yet they are turned to our benefit. So uh, I rejoice in that. I feel like you've got more to share. Um, if you got anything else to share, you're, you're welcome to. Um, but also, you're always welcome to come back. So <laughs> if you got more to share and you want to talk about anything, too, you're always welcome back. Okay. That's probably, that's probably and, good for today. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're going on about two hours, so I probably talked you to death. But uh, I did want to say this one last thing. Um, I did want to say uh, that in all seriousness um, I believe that we are in the same church I know we've I know we've left churches and we've left situations but um, but ultimately there is that one church of Christ and he knows who's his and so to me that's a it's a hopeful thought isn't it Um, that we aren't without a church um, because we are his church it's we're the body of Christ Sure. And uh, even though we're not fully where we need to be yet, um, uh, with his grace, we'll get there. We'll just got to keep listening and keep, keep following him through the wilderness. So Yeah, and, and just remember, while you're in the wilderness, it might seem like you're alone, but God knows, like you said, he knows where all of his mm-hmm. children are, and he, he is doing his work. And so there are things going on in, I'm sure, all parts of the world that we know nothing about that he's orchestrating and so even though we might feel like things are hopeless or we're on our own or surely something must be be wrong because maybe he just needs to come and fix the church right i think a lot of people keep thinking oh well we just need somebody to come fix the church i don't don't think that's what needs to happen i think (laughs) he needs us to join his church is what needs to happen yeah and i think yeah there is there's a lot of hope there even though Satan's good at making us feel hopeless. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I, that, like I said, I keep saying over and over, but that's that phrase in the Book of Mormon has just been standing out so much to me that this is his work. He is doing his work. Yeah. And so we can, we can trust in it. It's, it's a rare occasion for me to quote from the Doctrine and Covenants, but there was a revelation, <laughs> a revelation uh, from the Lord to Joseph Smith. And I don't have the exact quote, but I'll, I can throw it up on the screen. But um, basically, it's that uh, it is not the works of God that are frustrated, but the works of man. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of frustration on the part of, you know, everyone involved with the churches and, and, and trying to figure out these things out. And yet we know God has a plan and his works are not frustrated. Um, he's got a plan. He's he's not going to be put off by anything Satan has, is doing. He's foreseen everything that anyone's ever going to do in fact he's seen every sin that you and i have committed every dumb mistake that we're going to make past present future and yet he loves us he has a plan for us he's already got everything in the works even though we don't see it yet he does so i am thankful for that and sorry just one one last thing just popped into my head but in i mentioned the book called the heavenly man about the man in china yeah and it was really interesting in that because so he, like I said, he just, he finds a Bible, he learns about God through the Bible, and he just goes out and starts teaching other people about about Jesus, and they start meeting and just, they call them house churches, just a few people here, a few people there having these meetings, 
eventually you know Christians outside of China hear about what's going on they want to help so they start sending things to them and as soon as they do that they start sending maybe a pamphlet about this denomination or a pamphlet from this denomination and as soon as they do that this whole house is you know house church system breaks apart and he has to go through and try to reunify everything and oh. that just struck me so much because again I think as men, we get so wrapped up in the things that aren't important, right? Doctrine divides, and we get so caught up on this doctrine or that doctrine. But really, I think that's what Christ is teaching us. Yeah. He didn't He didn't say, doctrine will save you. He said, I will save you. And what you need to do is to love me and to love each other. And that's really, that brass serpent again, it's really that simple. And so, you know, so much emphasis is placed in the LDS Church, probably our LDS Church, the importance of doctrine and making sure we have the correct doctrine, because yeah. we're the ones that have the correct doctrine, doctrine, mm -hmm. doctrine, doctrine, but again, that's one of those things that we just have to trust that really God just wants our hearts, and when yeah. we give our hearts to Him, then we are, we're all going to be part of that, and He's going to take care of what's right, He'll fix all those things yeah. that we have wrong, but... One of the beautiful things about Third Nephi yeah. is Jesus explaining his doctrine. It's so simple, yeah, and so it's simple. all about it's all about a <laughs> change of the heart. Complicated so yeah. much, but yeah, it's so simple. Yeah, and what a shock too when when he gets done yeah. with that and says, "Now, if anyone adds anything to this, yeah, exactly. they come of the he devil." And you're like, <laughs> "Nice learning." He knew we'd have that was, problem, but we yeah. Well, then I was like, "Well, first. I guess we're I coming know. from the." We come from the devil, then I guess, because, yeah. and, and that's a sobering truth, and it is, it is. And, and and even then, you think, well, that can't possibly be, because I know that God loves us, and He's been working with me, and all. Yes, He does. Doesn't mean you're not coming from the devil in the aspect that we're trying to add to His doctrine, and yet yeah. He can still love us through all that. So, yeah, for sure. uh, thank God He's that merciful uh, and, yes. and forgiving, <laughs> and He does work with us. So, yeah, praise God. Anyway, um, I'm really glad I finally got to see you face to face, hear your voice. Yeah, it's all been emails nice. up to this point. Uh, yeah. And tell your husband if he ever decides he wants to be brave and show up, he, he's <laughs> welcome to show up anytime as well if he wants all right, to. I'll, I'll pass that along. <laughs> I, I know. It seems like in most marriages, there's a silent partner. You know, it's the one that represents. Well, usually, and... that's me. But like I said, I'm the one that's done more of the study. Yeah. He's, he's the busy, busier one. Yeah. So. I try to get my wife on here, and she's like, uh, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> so we all have we all have our silent partners that support us in the background. So That's anyway, right. all right. Well, awesome. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Same, same here. Um, thank you. It's, it's been great. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. And I hope this. I know this is going to be a blessing to many. So I do thank you for that. And uh, and I thank God for this opportunity. Um, and so I guess we'll sign off. Um, until next time. God bless. All right. Thank you.